Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and in today's episode, we are tackling parental burnout. I invited my friend, Dr. Morgan, onto the podcast. You may know her from My Love Thinks. And we're going big picture first, talking about the signs and symptoms of parental burnout. What does it actually look like? How do you know if this is what you're experiencing? Why is our generation so susceptible to feeling this overwhelm and depletion and burnout? And then we're going to get real practical. How can we address this in your homes, in your day-to-day, in your relationships? I'm guessing if you're tuning into this episode, you're already overwhelmed and tired and you got a million tabs open in your brain and yet you still set aside the time to listen to this episode. So let's not waste any more time and let's get to it. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, my friend, Dr. Morgan. I am so excited to be chatting with you today. I am obsessed with following you on Instagram. <laughs> you are, especially your reels, are so fun, but also so informative. And I just feel like that's, I don't know, it's what, at least that's what I am just like so drawn to these days when it comes mm-hmm. to like content and like taking in stuff. It's like I, I need to like see it and you are you do such a beautiful job of like acting out things and like role plays and just like bringing some of these really hard topics around like couple dynamics and parenting and all this you bring it to life in your reels and I you're so kind I love that about you (laughs) thank you I really appreciate that I just feel the exact same way about you I remember watching some of your anxiety reels with the you had like a character in the back seat and I was like she's genius at this so the feeling is totally mutual I'm glad to be here Oh, that was fun. That was like I wasn't working at the time. I just had a baby and I was reels came out and I was having so much fun with just like really, you know, since I wasn't seeing clients, finding other yeah. ways to I don't know, bring this work to life and that was such a fun such a fun season and also hard yeah. when I think back on it. Oh, <laughs> you know, gosh, like I was I doing these things during nap time, like these reels, but it just like it was really feeding that part of my soul Mm -hmm. and like my Mm -hmm. identity to, I don't know, to stay connected to that part of myself. Um, And I feel like that's connected a little bit to what we're talking about today, (laughs) which is parental burnout. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. But before we, (laughs) where do we begin? (laughs) Where do we begin? Before we begin, 
I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself so that the listener mm-hmm. can connect with you. And yeah, so just let 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 us know, like, who are you? Why is this a topic that <laughs> lights you up? Um, and and then we can go from there. Ugh. This is always – this is actually the hardest question for me every single time. So I'm like, where do you begin? Um, so I, I've i been working in the relationship education space since I was very young. I actually work with my father who's in the same space. He was he was like creating, creating courses before it was the thing to do. Like 25, yeah. 30 years ago, he started developing courses. And I took an interest in psychology and relationships back in – grade school. So I would, when he was getting his doctorate, I would go to classes with him uh, sometimes. And we would, um, it's still one of my favorite memories with him. We would play this game uh, in the car together where he'd give me a case and he'd say, how are you going to help this family? Or how would you help this couple? We would kind of play this game. So I feel like, I mean, to say we're a product of our family is like the biggest understatement ever. I definitely am. My career choice is a product of my relationship with my dad um, and the work we've done together. So um, we have a company called Love Thinks where we create courses to help people have healthy relationships. We have a blog, mylovethinks.com, where um, we share tons of free content to really empower people in their relationships. And um, it's just it's just been a deep love and passion of mine to teach people mm. practical ways to um, to, to exist and run their relationships, they can feel so confusing. And so mm. uh, I think having practical things we can put to work in our lives is important. I'm a mom. I got two little kids, Effie <laughs> and Roy. They're six and eight. I um, I homeschool them. Uh, they go to an academy two days a week, but uh, – I'm sorry, three days a week, but two days I'm homeschooling them. And, wow. Um, I try I to not know all that. my yeah, it's a lot. So I try to cram in all my work in these uh, three days. They're at school, so busy. Married uh, to my high school sweetheart. We did not date that whole time, but um, we have a history. That's for sure. So that's it. Yeah. That's me in a nutshell. <laughs> that's so interesting. I don't think I, did I did I know that about you? I don't think I knew that about you and your husband meeting in high school. Yeah. My husband and I have been together since high school too, and we have history as well. We'd been together for so long. We practically grew up like, you know, we were babies, not babies. We were teens. And then um, now we have a preteen, which is just so wild. Um, But I don't know a lot of folks who have that kind of history with their partner. So that's, I know. That's that would really be an cool. interesting episode, right? I feel like there's baggage that you have when you've known someone that long that requires some unpacking and undoing. 100%. My husband and I have been in couples therapy for years and that is definitely a piece of it for us is, you know, we got together when we were teenagers and like our brains weren't fully developed and we had, we were, you know, we, we fought in ways that we didn't have a lot of skills, right? Like in terms of navigating relationships. And so sometimes when either of us gets triggered, it just brings us right back there. And there was also just like so much stuff happening as it does for many young adults in high school and in their teen years, but so much other stuff happening in our lives as we were coming together that I think Mm -hmm. all got kind of like wired Mm -hmm. together. And there's just so many layers to our own stuff. And also, and also just like, so it's so 
fun and so cool that like we have so many memories with each other, you know, know, Um, and photos and the (laughs) memories and my oldest who's kind of, you know, getting, you know, getting into that season of her life, you know, not quite there, but she just is so fascinated by the fact that we like have all these shared memories from high school together and has so many questions and I don't know. So it's hard. It's hard and it's good. I want to talk about this now. I know. I it's funny. We're so we're from Ohio. Um, we live in California now, and um, we're going back to Ohio in June. And we stay obviously at my in-laws, which is his parents, mm-hmm. and we sleep in his high school bedroom. <laughs> and it is like the trippiest thing oh ever. God. But you're so right. I mean, we met when I was 14. It's just there's yeah. Everything you said is absolutely true. We've experienced it too. So yeah. it's it's a wild and amazing thing. And well, those pictures, my eyebrows were horrible. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. All right. It's well, so I'm sure we will talk more about <laughs> partners and all that throughout this conversation. <laughs> but let's dive into this topic of parental burnout. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you kind of understand this experience of burnout. Mm-hmm. What are some of the symptoms of burnout? some of the triggers, when is it a sign of something else, you know, I, um, or can it be connected to other things? Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I feel like there's not a great working definition of parental or mom burnout. (laughs) I mean, it's been usually talked about in the work setting, but Mm -hmm. it is something that if you sit with another parent, we all feel it. We all know what it is intuitively. So I I don't even know if it requires a definition, but I can tell you that there are three primary signs. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not going to okay. define it. We know what it is. But um, three primary characteristics. One is there's emotional and physical exhaustion. So mm-hmm. um, if you're just talking to someone, this sounds like, I'm so burnt out. You know, this is kind of this like expression of like, mm-hmm. I'm so done. I'm so burnt out. The second piece is this disconnection piece. We start to disassociate or disconnect. This is like, um, I'm checking out. When we've all yeah. sort of been here, we do this on our phones all the time. I mean, I know that there are times I'm, gosh, my kids are like running around around me and I pick up my phone and I just get lost and I've numbed out completely. Mm-hmm. This is totally. a sign. Um Third is this impairment in our ability to regulate our emotions and cognitions. And mm-hmm. this is like, I'm losing it. You know, where you just, you, you can't seem to keep it together. And every little thing in that moment overwhelms your system and you have a massive mm-hmm. reaction. Um, so if you're lo- like day-to-day signs are you're less patient, you're more irritable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have a lot of motivation, you're procrastinating, excess scrolling or numbing behaviors, even drinking like wine culture, this whole thing about mm-hmm. moms having a drink at the end of the night. This is a way of numbing out. Yeah. Um, building resentment toward others is a big one, especially our partners. I think that we do this mm-hmm. a lot. Um, feeling overwhelmed and anxious, forgetting things. Like when you're talking, you're like, I just cannot even access my mm-hmm. words. And then this just overwhelming feeling of of exhaustion. I feel personally attacked. I'm just kidding. <laughs> wait, wait, check, check, check. Oh um, we've all been there, right? Like, oh my I'm, gosh. I'm a therapist and like I get there all the time, yeah. right? And I think yeah. part of part of the work is 
being able to, as you're kind of describing here, like understand some of the signs and symptoms, right, mm-hmm. um, when you're in it and also putting in place, you know, protective actions, factors yeah. so that we don't we don't get there as often. I think the truth is, is that like we're still going to get there sometimes, you know. It's, yeah. Perfection is never the goal. Um, but to be able to kind of pick up on – Ooh, I think I'm starting to run on really low reserves here and mm-hmm. I'm noticing I'm a little bit more irritable um, or just not, you know, like for me, it's a, a big a big thing that I'll oftentimes notice is when like my youngest takes a nap. When she wakes up, am I excited to go in and get her or <laughs> am I like, no, it wasn't enough yeah. time and like dreading the next yeah. couple of hours and i gosh i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to walk in with dread right mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that can oftentimes be assigned to me right and so let's let's chat a little bit about what can we do to kind of like not avoid it right cuz that, that's still <laughs> going to happen but put things in place where we're at least you know being more proactive about about this sort of this burnout yeah. and and yeah you know the reserves running so on. I want to like I want to highlight something you're saying because you're saying something that I think is really important to normalize um, I think we talk a lot about and when I'm saying this I'm like collectively who's the we I guess I see it a lot on social media you hear um, advice given about finding balance mm. and um, I I think balance is complete yes and I I just And it sets this sort of expectation that if you find the special sauce, if you find this right combination of things and self-care time and this, that Mm. you will reach your cruising altitude and you're good forever. And I think that that is a really impossible standard. It's not real. It's not like that in any relationship we exist Mm. in um, because life has this way of kind of pulling us apart and um, exacerbating disconnections. And it happens in our relationship with ourselves. So this idea of achieving a balance um, is not true, but Mm -hmm. what we need to normalize is balancing. Like we're Mm -hmm. continually going to be making these little tweaks and adjustments. And you said that so um, clearly with your example of like, I know what my signs are. Mm-hmm. And when you know what your signs are and you can define those, then you can be kind of targeted and mm-hmm. how you best care mm-hmm. for yourself. It's so. such a good point. And I totally agree with you that this idea of like balance is BS. And I think it's like a really sexy thing to sell though. It's like, oh, <laughs> it's like – totally and, and sexy. So, and so that's, why we, that's why we're so confused and we're always trying to yeah. seek it because at like literally – so many things are trying to sell to us that we can achieve that and then hit cruise control, right? Like, yes. and, and it's not as sexy to be like, mm, it's going to be this like, you know, there's, <laughs> you're always going to be tweaking and it's going to be hard. And it's going, there's going to be, a, and how I kind of like to shift and look at it is we're constantly having to make choices about what mm-hmm. we're going to prioritize. The way that mm-hmm. the things that we value, how we define what we value, to me, at the end of the day, when I look back on my life, I want to feel like I lived a life that was in alignment with my values, and mm-hmm. that is going to bring me a sense of like meaning, and that's going to support 
legacy, like all of those things, mm-hmm. right? Um, the relationships and it's all the parts of me. And what what I think can contribute to being able to look back and, and see that is did I make choices that aligned with my values in that season and how I defined those values and was I able to shift things and prioritize things and make those hard calls and choices when they presented themselves. And I'm not going to do that perfectly either. But yeah. if I keep coming back to that, it's it's more likely, I think, that I'm going to feel in alignment and feel that sense of like my life feels meaningful and I have – yes. And like, that's the point, right? Um, Yeah. So hmm. the way I conceptualize, so I can go big picture and I go little, like kind of tune in, but like how I conceptualize this too, it's very similar to what you're saying. And um, I think what you're talking about is kind of one piece of it, which is I will call like, do we know know ourselves deeply? And um, I think that when we are incongruent in this particular area, like we are living in a way that um, we're not doing things that we feel me- are meaningful. Uh, when we are acting or being in a, living in a way that's like, I don't even recognize this part of me, you know, these kind of gaps, right, in these areas where I'm doing stuff, but it doesn't feel that important, which we know as a parent, we what we do is so important, but sometimes it doesn't feel important. So when there are these gaps or incongruencies here, we'll start to feel really disconnected from ourselves. And so it can it can create a feeling of distress and burnout and a lack of enjoyment in what we're doing in our role as a parent. And so it's really important, I think, to tune in and define some of these things. Like you talked about that in the beginning when you had a baby and you're kind of like your life gets sort of, you know, all kind of jumbled up after kids. That's just what happens. It gets better. But um, especially when you have a, a newborn you know, you're like, I had to be connected to something that was important and meaningful. And I think that's part of this process of kind of figuring out how to manage ourselves so we don't become burnt out. Yeah, it's such a good point. And even just using that, the example that I shared in the beginning. So I had a baby. is the middle of the pandemic. We were – our lives were looking very different for now a variety of reasons because of mm-hmm. the pandemic and because of being postpartum. And – what I and I wasn't seeing clients, and the kids were home. <laughs> like I don't homeschool, and so it was. <laughs> oh, we were doing Zoom school, and I, I wanted to connect with my values of creativity and community, and connect back with my role as a therapist, um, mm-hmm. supporting other parents. And I did that through creating reels, you know? And then there would be times when all of a sudden I started to feel like I have to create these things, right? Like, or I should be doing some, I should be creating more, or I should have new ideas. And that would pull me out of presence with yeah. the other things that are important to me, such as my kids and my baby and you know, and and then I start to notice when the baby woke up from her nap that I'd start to feel like it, it wasn't enough time and yeah. that kind of dread feeling started to come up. And so I, I had to notice that. And then I had to ask myself, okay, here's something – here are a couple things that I value. They feel a little conflictual right now. Mm-hmm. How, how do I – but I'm also starting to feel burnt out, right? Like mm-hmm. burnt out from all the above. And that's going to lead to a place where I'm actually – 
not helping myself or anyone else, right? Yes. Because yes. um, it's not going to feel um, present and connecting. And yes. so what needs to shift here? And exactly. that's so tricky. It's so tricky to make those yeah. shifts because there's so many – like we don't live – we don't exist just within ourselves we, there's this, all these discourses around us, right? <laughs> um, and I mean, if you even just look at like Instagram, which is where I was showing up to connect with creativity and community and and my career at the time, it it is like literally built to like keep you in mm-hmm. and the comparison and the, oh gosh, like falling at the all so much, right? And so there's all this other stuff around us and the systems around us and discourses that are going to influence, right? Like yes. what we think we're supposed to be valuing or what we should be doing or how we should be prioritizing things and what self-care or balance, quote unquote balance should look like. I mean, mm-hmm. right? Like there's so much else yes. that's all these little trickling messages. Okay. So let me – because I, if it's not practical, then I feel like I didn't give anything. It looks like my own world for you. <laughs> so I love, love let me. That. Okay, so let's talk about. So I'll try to give three categories to just take some time during a nap or when you have a moment to kind of analyze. One is what's important to you. I think it's important that we have a good understanding of what helps us to feel like what we are doing in our life is important. Uh, the second is our identity. Who do we see ourselves as? As. And I think um, this becomes really muddy after kids. We're like, oh, I thought I was this, but now I guess I'm this. And so taking time to sort that through. And then the last is meaning. And meaning is like something bigger, like a bigger purpose than you. And your meaning might be around your kids for a time. And it might shift. These are all things that might shift. But take some time to explore these things. And then develop some anchors. I think anchors are things that at the end of the day, you can at least kind of tie yourself to these things and feel like I'm doing all right. Like I had um, had this good friend and she said, you know, when I was lost in motherhood, I decided that the one thing that I wanted to convey to my kids day to day is that I like to be with them. Like I like to be around them. And if I've done that, that's a win for my day. And so that became one of her anchors. And I think that you don't have to have anchors just around the domain of your children, but um, you can have some there and you can have some around what's meaningful or important. And so when you're in that moment and we're saying you got to make a shift, you can quickly make the shift because you've already identified your anchors. Mm, I love that. And I, I just think that I think first and foremost, identifying these anchors for ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. That like when I go back and reflect on the day, that that's something that I can anchor myself to mm-hmm. or and or be like, you know what? I think that if this is my anchor and it didn't feel like that was something that showed up today for me, mm-hmm. um, what can I what can I shift tomorrow so that I can realign myself, right, um, in, in that anchor? But I also just think like in the little moments, you know, I think about anchors in my work with my clients. Like when I, mm-hmm. you know, when I leave a session with a client, like what am I anchoring myself in, in terms of how how I'm feeling about the work that I'm doing, but also with mm-hmm. my kids. I think it can help in those moments too, right? Like if exactly. I'm feeling overwhelmed with my, with my children or triggered or upset, like, and I don't really – like what? What is the script that that one like parenting expert said? And I can't yes. like grasp it, oh. but I can come back to my anchor. 
I think that sometimes you can be, you can actually discover within yourself your own sort of like quote unquote script of what what's going to actually yes. feel most aligned and best for you to convey yeah, that anchor. Like it's good to understand these big picture concepts. I think that I'm a big believer in that. Like let's exp- let's understand these sort of big things that are going on or these big sort of um, perspectives. But then in the moment, what do we do? And so I think that's why anchors can become really powerful in the moment to help you make those shifts. So explore the big stuff and then come mm-hmm. down to what do you do in the moment to put those to use. And you were talking earlier about these and you're talking about the scripts of the, oh, the parenting experts. I love them, but man, they are haunting sometimes. Um, like one of my anchors with my kids is like, I'm just going to stay calm. Like, I just want to be calm. Like, no, maybe if I don't know how to handle this situation, like, just going to try to be calm through it. If nothing else, that's a little bit contagious. But um, these messages that we absorb today as parents, um, I think, become really hard to navigate and is also a big piece of burnout because they're just these tapes playing in the background. And so um, I think that there are, so I would break it down into like three sources. I'm sure you could probably poke holes in this one, but three sources of where these kinds of like messages come from, like one's our early experiences. So we learn all sorts of stuff about our early caregivers and um, even just our experiences in school and stuff like that. There's the societal messages. What's it mean to be a good parent? Um, what's it mean to be a woman? What's it, you know, all these sort of messages that we take in. And then the other is our, just like our information consumption. And it is off the charts these days. And I think that it is a blessing, but then there's always an underbelly to a blessing, which is that we have these voices in our head now that we're constantly sorting through and, and measuring ourselves against. And I think that um, this stuff takes up a lot of space for us and also makes us prone to parental burnout because we are trying to parent with such incredible intention that it's really intense. And it's, and it's like there is opportunity at every turn to feel like you're falling short when you parent, parent this intensely. It's so true. One thing that my, my husband said to me recently when we were just talking about some parenting stuff and some stuff going on with our, one of our kids and kind of just reflecting on our own experiences and, you know, how it was kind of showing up with how we were feeling about a certain thing that our, one of our kids was going through. And he looked at me and he was like, this way of parenting that you and I are trying to do is like the long route. Like it's like, it, it feels like it's, it's like the long, the, the harder path, the long, the long route, you know? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, but do you think it's going to be worth it? And he's, and we both agree that we do think it's worth it yeah. to take this longer route of, you know, of this intent of this attunement. And yeah, it just, it takes up so much time and space and energy. And in order to be able to show up with that, right? <laughs> like we need yeah. to have the energy and the reserves for that. Um, and that's what you we just, we really can't separate all these, this, this really intentional parenting with also being really intentional about how we care for ourselves, right? Totally. Okay. So I'm thinking in my head, I want to share this example. So I'm going to do that. And then I want to come back to what you just said, because it's so important, but I, um, 
thinking about these tapes that are playing in the background, I feel like it can feel a little bit out here. So just want to bring it back to reality. So if you imagine our son, okay, our son is named Roy, and he does this thing where he screams at me like an abusive husband, okay? And we're working on this, but it's like verbally abusive. He'll sit, he'll yeah. um, scream for me to take him to the toilet, um, and he'll be on the toilet like, what? where are my clothes? Get my clothes. I'm like, you just told me to get, I don't know. You know, and I, I'm like scrambling around the house like this pinball, and um, he is insane. Like, it's, it's intense. And I have, this is the thing, I have had people over the house before when he's done this and it's and he's the sweetest kid but you he is gnarly when he is screaming at you it's it's crazy so for a parent today with all of these things playing in our head it's like if we think about our early experiences in my mind part of what's going on in that moment especially when my parents are there or something and i have an audience is um geez, when I was little, I was told I wasn't this bad. Um, my parents kind of think he shouldn't be doing this. They're wondering why he's talking so disrespectfully to me. So I'm playing all these tapes. Then I have my information that I consume, which is tons of people in our niche, in the parenting niche, because that's mm-hmm. what we do mm-hmm. on Instagram. And it's like, I, I identified his emotion. I talked about his frustration. I've done this. I've done that. I've watched deeply feeling children. Like, what do I do? You know, and you're kind of like, I know there's a right. This is the thing about information mm. consumption. It feels like there's a right answer. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just not going to work in the moment. Just not. And so I'm scrolling through those those files. And then there's the societal piece, which is, well, what is a good kid supposed to look like? This isn't mm. what a good kid looks like. Yeah. Clearly, I'm not a good parent. I got to frantically search for something to make some adjustments here. And I think that this, these three areas, funneling information oh and gosh. filling up our minds all the time is really a big piece of what affects our feeling of burnout. It affects our self-concept, how we think about ourselves yeah. as parents. How we think about our child. How we see our children. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that this is an area of burnout in parenting that's not talked about very much, but I think it's pivotal um, to getting some relief from it. Oh my gosh. It's so true. Okay. So in that moment, Morgan, like you got all these (laughs) things because I'm like, I relate to all of these pieces here and I I know our listeners are too. In that moment, right? Mm -hmm. Do you, do you catch it? Do you, do you, how do you unhook yourself, right? Like in that moment where you've got that audience, you've got your societal mm-hmm. discourses, you've got your, all the scripts and all the things you're supposed to be, you, you feel like that, that the right answer, right? That's out there yeah. that you're trying to find in the file quickly while your child is melting down and other people are watching. Like in that moment, what are you actually doing? Oh, yeah. It's, it's taken practice. Okay. So I'm getting good. I'm getting good at this. But I, mm-hmm. I think part of something I say sometimes is um, what you can define, you can dominate. So I think part of it was just kind of teasing apart what was going on with me in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and understanding it gives you this feeling of control then that you can do something about it. Mm-hmm. And so part of what I've done is um, we were talking about self-concept, but then you said, and also how you see your kids. And that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. I call this a, a trust picture. It's like a sketch we have of our children in our minds. And I I could easily sketch my son as this like tyrant on the toilet, right? Like he's crazy and and see him and focus on these things. He's a bad kid. I need to parent him differently. He's mm. disrespectful. But I've chosen to sketch a completely different picture of him, mm. which is based on how I know him and I know him very well. And so um, in that moment, I 
tune into that, which is that he's an anxious kid um, and mm-hmm. his anxiousness comes out as anger. And so I then tune, so I tune into that. I focus on that piece, which helps me approach him with empathy and compassion mm. and um, helps me regulate because I don't feel like it has anything to do with me. I can completely disconnect from my child's behavior. And that's an important piece that I think we all could do mm. a little bit more. Um, yeah. And then I am able to tune into my anchor, which is like, I'm going to approach this with calm. And so I yeah. I just kind of make it through those situations and then we talk about them later. Um, yeah. And those things in the moment are, it sounds like a lot going on, but um, it's quite quick and automatic once you know yeah. what you're doing. Right. It's so, um, I, I'm, it's so interesting. I'm part of this study group with uh, Dr. Becky Kennedy from Good yeah. Inside who talks about the idea of deeply feeling kids. And we were just in our study group yesterday and I my um, I have a child who has very similar um, big big reactions and is for sure a deeply feeling kid. Yeah. And we, I was actually unpacking a recent experience with her in the study group yesterday. And one of the things that she talked about and this is I mean, I think this is maybe shifting a little bit off our topic, but I think it's all related <laughs> um, because it can it definitely be um, easy to feel burnt out when you are, are raising a child that is that sensitive to the world around them and has these 100%. big reactions, right? Um, and so one of the things that she she said is, that, you know, when, when our child is having these big reactions, it can feel for them. Like they're in, like it's like they like they take up so much space. You feel it, but they mm-hmm. feel it too. How like their big mm-hmm. feelings are just like vomiting everywhere, and it's like infecting everything around them. And they they mm-hmm. sense all the different ways in which people are responding to those big feelings. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that she suggested um, that we do do we do do with our with our child, and I do notice in these moments that it, it really helps both of us is. He needs to feel contained, and it actually helps me more to feel that containment too. And so, that doesn't that doesn't mean that like, he's being punished by being contained, but it also but it means that I'll oftentimes take him to a room, a separate room, mm-hmm. a smaller space, just to like feel more containment, right? In mm-hmm. in terms of like not feeling like a lot of times these kids feel like they don't even know where their edges are, right? They don't even know like yeah. where they end and others begin. It just it's so. They're so overstimulated and it's so overwhelming and the feelings are so all-consuming. So even just like if your child's on the toilet, like going in there, closing the door and like yes, now we're just – we're, we're in this Pop space together. on the together. floor. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And like actually – like and she – and Dr. Becky said even like sitting down, like not standing mm-hmm. there with them because that that kind of even may give the sense of like I'm almost – I like I'm ready to escape. Like I need to get out of yes. here. But sitting down and anchoring, coming back to this anchor – Anchoring for yourself that all I real all my all I'm gonna do in this moment is just remain present. Yeah. Right? I'm gonna regulate Absolutely. myself. I don't even need to say anything. It doesn't need to be the script. I'm just gonna be present through their okay. storm. And how freeing is that? Yeah. Because we can take all those voices in our head in that moment and say, This isn't necessary. Mm. Um, I can instead tune into my anchor, be present, and do absolutely nothing (laughs) except just be here and be calm. And I think that's Mm. freeing. And sometimes we we really overcomplicate this stuff sometimes. Not always. 
I for sure do. do. (laughs) Yeah, I totally do. I totally do. I know. I noticed when I do that, when I bathroom that he does this and it's very tiny. So it's easy. I do everything you said, shut the door. I plop down on the floor and I'll touch him sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll talk. A lot of times I am not permitted to talk, but, you know, I'll say, I'm not afraid of this. Like, it's okay. Mm. Get it out. It's fine. And then it's over and and he's back to being himself. And so, but imagine if I didn't, all the damage I would do to myself Mm. and feeling terrible and my self-talk and all of that, if I let myself get carried away um, Mm. by all those negative sort of thoughts swirling around in my head. And when you think about what a child internalizes in that moment is my internal experience doesn't scare people away, right? Yeah. Doesn't push people yeah. away. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm remaining, I'm in, I'm, I'm being connected while mm-hmm. I'm having these big feelings. I'm watching my parent, like, weather the storm, however they're doing it, whether they're taking deep breaths or um, closing their eyes or however they're doing it, like they're regulating or modeling that. And then you think about that same kid when they're a teenager, right? Mm-hmm. And they're – gosh, at a party and they feel uncomfortable, um, that they could actually turn towards their internal experience and trust it, right? Instead of feeling like I can't trust myself because others – or if I say something, it's going to push people away. Maybe they'll call you even if if you didn't know that they were at that party. They'll call (laughs) you because they can trust that you, the two of you can weather storms together. the long haul approach. the long haul (laughs) approach, right? And this is exactly it. I punch out something else, and it goes back to something you said earlier, but, um, you know, (laughs) I believe that parenting is a really beautiful thing because it is um, a way of shining light on things that we haven't fully dealt with. Mm. We'll notice our triggers are often something that was, right, something we haven't dealt with. And so I think of of motherhood specifically, but parenting in general is sort of like this expansion of ourselves um, and becoming not something new, but something better. And um and that's not to say if you don't have kids, you can't do that, right? But I do think yeah. it's almost like this fast track to kind of like, you're going to deal with these things. And so, for example, a kid like Roy, um, who could easily get this messaging of you're too much, like mm. you're too much, turn down the dial, dude, yeah. like it's too mm. – um, I think that there are a lot of people, I know I can tune into some of these things, whether it was true or my perception of my childhood, of learning that message too. And so part of this parenting process or knowing yourself and knowing your kids is knowing like, why is this triggering me? Uh, It's triggering me because this is something that I felt too and was told maybe it was too much or something. And so um, when my kid's doing it, I'm like, stop, you're too much too. Like you, you almost, it can quickly or easily sort of result in you kind of passing on the same message unless you explore some of these things. So there's hard work here, right? And disconnecting um, from those moments, especially when they're moments that you can recall experiencing yourself growing up and um, you're like learning uh, how to manage these times alongside of teaching your kids. And so Mm. it's this parallel process that I think is quite extraordinary about parenting that um, it's just a beautiful thing. It's one of the reasons I love working with parents so much is because mm-hmm. of what what becoming a parent does, right? It's like you feel like you fall, everything falls apart. It feels like and all your pieces yeah. are on the floor and then you can 
you know, we can together be really intentional and looking at some of these different parts and piecing these things together. I think, um, okay, so maybe I can sum up a big picture of burnout stuff. (laughs) It's like we are like, we're talking about all these pieces that I think are just, I just love this conversation with you. So fun to talk about. I think that if I had to boil it down to how do you manage parental burnout, we we have, especially moms, this extraordinary ability um, to manage relationships. We manage – a lot of times we're the managers of our partnership. We manage our social life probably. We manage our relationship with the home. We do – you know, we are just like – always kind of taking care of stuff, but we don't often think about how we have a relationship with ourselves. And I think part of burnout is, is kind of tuning inward and realizing that you have a relationship with yourself and this relationship needs to be nurtured and cared for. And part of this involves um, regularly checking in. We can talk about areas to check in. I don't know how much time we have, but uh, regularly checking in and doing that scan and determining where these shifts need to take place. Maybe it's around meaning and things like that. Maybe it's around your self-concept. Maybe it's around what you talked about before, where you prioritize things. But but thinking of it as this is just part of what we do to continue balancing. We're going to get out of balance. We're going to continue balancing time and time again by tuning into how we manage our relationship with ourselves. And I think that part of burnout is we chronically back burner ourselves, especially moms, because of all of you know, these messaging, there's all sorts of reasons why we do it. This worry about intensive parenting. And at the end of the day, we have to sort of believe that we're worth um, the investment. Mm. And we, I believe the the best way to think of it is we have to mother ourselves like we mother our kids. Mm. Um, And if we exercise the same intention and compassion and um, benefit of the doubt, we give our kids so much benefit of the doubt, but not Mm. to ourselves. If we did this more, we would be major steps ahead in um, preventing burnout or at least knowing what to do with it when it Mm. shows up. A piece here that you named is, you know, sort of the the load that many mothers carry. <laughs> and I want to speak to those who are listening who are partnered and maybe have some resentment about that load that they're carrying. And that's mm-hmm. definitely a, maybe a contributor to their burnout. Mm-hmm. How do we begin to communicate some of this, the load, the the desire, the need to have more support, right, um, yeah. when it comes to burnout. How do we start to have these conversations with our partners? Yeah, this is a big question. So I'll just I'll, I'll just give really practical things. I think um, when you're wanting to talk to your partner about getting more support, one of the best times to talk to them is when things are relatively good. Uh, I think a lot of us can identify with like narrating our frustration under our breath at our partner and like wanting them to come in and save you and see everything that you need Um, or like banging around the house angrily expecting that that's somehow going to accomplish exactly what we want. Um, So choose your time wisely. Uh, It's best to kind of have a conversation when things are good. Like, hey, I need to talk with you about a couple things. Um, And so that's just a quick one. Also, define what you need and what you're wanting. I think that um, 
if we're not clear about our needs, we can be really confusing. I know for years in my own marriage, something that I wanted from my husband was like, I don't know if it's like words of affirmation or like something like that, but I know now what it is. It's I wanted to be visible and valued. And um, he'd be like, you just need a pep, like you just need a, what did he say? It was like a really insulting kind of how he would say it, but like, you just need me to like tell you you're great and give you a compliment. I'm like, mm, no. And so we spent years going round and round and I finally got very clear about what I wanted. And he's like, oh, that makes total sense and has been able to give it to me. So Define what you want, what you need, and be clear about it. I think another thing is, um, this is a hard one, but when it comes specifically to our own care, we have to take responsibility of it. Um, I know for years, even in my own relationship, I would um, would just see like my husband like just like come home from work and he'd sit down on the couch for a little bit and he is like involved he is a doer he is like i got a good one um but still and i'd be like what the heck you don't tell me to go sit down like you don't tell me to take a break i'll say oh go work out you don't tell me to work out and i would get really pretty mad about it and i start build resentment and i don't know it took some time and some reflection i realized um I don't need him to tell me like why am I put why am I putting my care on his plate? And I remember one time saying like I'm pretty burnt out. I need to go do something. He's like, "Go for it. Great." There was literally no friction there around this thing. And I know that's not the case for everybody, yeah. but sometimes even just that shift of like this is my job to tell my partner what I need mm-hmm. um and to ask for that or to demands a strong word, just plainly state it. I'm going to go do, you know, this idea of like, can you watch the kids while I take a shower? Oh, come on. Like sometimes, right? We don't need to ask permission. I think a lot of our partners probably don't. So in terms of our phrasing, I think um, I I have lots of posts that give scripts. Mm -hmm. I think people find scripts really helpful. So Mm -hmm. one thing you can say is um, when you notice that I'm reaching my limit, the best thing you can do for me in this moment is, and then you fill in the blank. Mm. I know with Chad and I, whenever he'd see my kind of tension increase, he would give me space. And that's the opposite of what I needed. I needed connection and him to check in on me. And so after I told him that, it shifted. But um, identifying that, you know, Hey, I'm I'm the thing I need most from you right now is or I feel like our routine is so busy. Um can we sit down and talk about how to reprioritize some things so it doesn't feel so overwhelming? You know, having these initiating these conversations can go a long way. Yeah. There's a lot to say about the mental load, but that's maybe another. <laughs> totally. I um I really appreciate this and I love just the practicality of like what does this look like in communication with our partner? Cuz I think a lot of like yes there's there's so many different layers and dynamics and cycles that we can get and and histories, right? Um yeah. that can contribute to these particular situations, but a lot of times people just are like how do I just get started? Like what do I say? Right? Like what yeah. does it even look like? And so I really really appreciate that piece there. Dr. Morgan, thank you so much for taking the time. I loved having this conversation with you, connecting to this experience so much as I know so many parents in general do and in our generation especially do and during this pandemic have especially felt. And so (laughs) I am so grateful to have had this chance to have you come on and 
uh, really appreciate how you take these big picture things and, and make them so practical. Where can people find you so they can continue to connect with you and learn from you? Yeah. Well, thank you. I've loved this. I feel like I could sit here and chat with you all day about these things. So I really appreciate you sitting with me too and having me on. Um, so I'm on Instagram, mylovethinks, and we have a blog, mylovethinks.com. And we recently, my dad, and I say we, my dad and I um, recently started a podcast together called the Love Thinks Podcast. So um, usually we have people on where we talk about their concerns and issues and kind of troubleshoot in real time. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I'll be sure to include links to all of that in the show notes so listeners can go straight there to find you and connect more with you. Again, Dr. Morgan, thank you so much for coming on. It's been such a joy to connect with you. <laughs> thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air. And go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also... For you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.